カスタイム今次の放送は晩による晩のための晩放送ポッドキャルチアポッドキャストでこの番組はブランドスパンダーやりくの台風の敵を日程送ります電流火花が体を走る自動チェンジ機械だダークロボット迎え撃て人造人間機械だ
the the I guess we should talk about the whole backflip and quick cut into little toy drones or whatever those are. Like that's basically I mean, I don't know. It's funny, they're they're an air force, but they're like an air force of little tiny drone bots, I guess, with little propellers on their heads. I I mean, I don't know, Red Hornet's fine. I, I, I think those those troops of his are kind of funny, especially because you know, it's like it's a cool idea to have like a a dark special air force, but when the special air force is just like, you know, little little mechanical flying helicopters or whatever, that's not exactly what what comes to mind, right? You're thinking of uh, you know, Cobra Rattlers or Sky Strikers or you know, so you know, that you know, it's the difference between, you know, data leading a fleet of ships and there's only like four Star Trek models that they can use <laughs> along with the Enterprise, as opposed yeah. to what you're expecting, which is what you normally got in, you know, Deep Space Nine. There's a whole legion of, of you know, cut and pasted ships, and everybody's getting blown away and everything. So, I mean, in terms of the production value, it's 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 a little disappointing and or weak. But I mean, it's also not unexpected. I think in terms of that, you you kind of you you would have come to expect it. But you know, I don't know. It's 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 still got that charming thing. They do a backflip and then they're a little, they're a little drone bot or whatever they're supposed to be. But what, what was your take on, I guess, Red Hornet as far as that goes and his Air Force troops or whatever? I think the design of Red Hornet is a little too goofy for me. I did like that shot of like all of the little special forces in their, I don't know, toy forms. Like there's a shot of them like leaving their little mountain base. Yeah. I, I kind of, I thought, I like that shot. I was like, oh, that's kind of charming. But like the the Red Hornet suit, I wasn't exactly a fan of. It, it, it seemed like something from like a, you know, a 50s Z-grade movie or something. Mm, okay. Yeah, 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 I could see that. So tell us about the Pollution Commissioner. Pollution Commissioner Oyama was played by veteran actor Shin Tokudaiji, who debuted in Young Master of the University for Shokuchu Kinema in 1933. Tokudaiji, who later moved to Toei, appeared in an astonishing 227 films for a number of studios, mainly in the Jidaigeki and Yakuza genres, and also appeared in numerous television series, such as Toei's Tales of the Shinsengumi. Tokudaiji's tokusatsu television roles include Kageretsu Fusai in episodes 40 and 41 of Toei's Red Shadow, The Masked Ninja, Dr. Kihara in episode 71 of Toei's Masked Rider, Ninja Master Koshin Koji in P Productions' Vigilant Lion Maru and Sumura in episodes 45 and 46 of Toei's Master Rider V3. I feel like maybe I could have come across him in, you know, Kamen Rider or V3 or something like that, I, but I don't, I, I don't know that I remember him that well. I've seen all of V3, but I don't, I don't remember him either. So, well, we've got a cutaway to Professor Gill who takes Pollution Commissioner Oyama's investigation as a direct challenge to Dark's authority. So Professor Gill tells Red Hornet to intercept and abduct the Commissioner's only daughter, who is currently on her way to Ikado. Gill warns Red Hornet that if he fails in his mission, his Dark ASF will be, quote, reduced to scrap. This fast-moving episode was shot on location in the beautiful Ikaho and introduces Sayuko, 
played by Hiroko Aoki. A great guest character, Zako makes a wonderful companion for Hanpei and actually brings out a heroic and honorable side to him. Did you notice they were wearing like similar shirts at one point in the series? I was like, yeah. hey, is this like, is it is this like a little like coded signal for their adults, or was just like, or or was someone like in charge of wardrobe? Like, hey, we've got a, a male shirt and a female shirt that are real similar. Let's make them. Wear it, wear like wear the same clothing, kind of like I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe you, know, you always talk about how kind of uh, subtle they are in terms of you know romance and attraction and all that other stuff. And I mean, it, 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 you know, August Ragone specifically says in that factoid, like, oh, what a wonderful companion she makes for him. But I, I mean, I would, I would argue that from an american perspective like you you always tend to say on episodes like this i mean it's it's super subtle and 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 perhaps the you know the the bopsy twins you know wardrobe you know what i mean like like maybe that was supposed to be a a, a subtle hint that they they were characters that were slightly in sync you know that they they could see eye to eye or that they they had some you know compatibility as far as 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 uh, you know, a man and a woman goes like maybe, but th- you know, it's not like they were gonna have them, you know, snog or you know, <laughs> do 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 anything like you know, super obvious, you know, in the context of the episode. But but I I do think that you know, th- 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 you know that that was something where I was kind of like, oh, you know, like like there there's those moments where you know. Hanpei is kind of like running around going, I'm a ninja, you know, and, and trying to like do things, you know, a, as opposed to, you know, there, there's there's those instances in this, the show where he's very out for number one, out for himself, and he's even abandoned, you know, Mitsuku and Masaru at points, right? But but in this case, he, he doesn't shirk from that, you know, challenge, I guess, you know, he's 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 part of the, you know, the group that helps contribute to the successful conclusion and or climax of the the episode you know well the way hanpei treats his car like i don't know that i want to see him like making out with his chick on screen so. <laughs> it's it's definitely going to be like japanese porn it's going to be all awkward and weird <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah so so meanwhile a dr komoji comes upon a sign at a train station advertising lake haruna in ikaho and this triggers some faint memory recall for him. He ends up taking a bus ride to the lake, and ironically, we see the green VW bug of Hitori Hanpei zoom past the tour bus with Mitsuku and Masaru completely unaware that they have just raced past the father they're in desperate search of. They too are headed to Ikaho because it is the hometown of Dr. Komoji, and the manager of the Ikaho Grand Hotel was an old friend of their father's. Of course, Hanpei keeps trying to overtake the tour bus because he's a fucking asshole driver. Like, what? <laughs> what was it? Like, dude, I know, like man. They're, 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 they're having a big pissing contest. It's like him and the bus driver. I mean, you'd think a bus driver, like, that's driving, like, public transportation for, yeah. like, a bunch of people on a tour would just kind of let the one asshole be an asshole and get in front and just call it a day. But it's funny how they're constantly, I mean, it's supposed to be like this, I don't know, wacky races, Charlie Chaplin, you know, whatever it is. It's like they keep turning on their turn signals and they keep passing each other up and cutting, cutting each other off. Like, you know, 
repetitively, you know, kind of like a, I don't know, like somebody stepping on a rake or something or whatever. But I, I just and 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 it, there's no consequence to it either. You know what I mean? Like like nobody really gets there first. Nobody causes an accident. Nobody, you know, it's just supposed to be like, oh, isn't this wacky? You know, type thing. And they are on like, I mean, this 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 hotel, it's a it's a scenic venue, but you can tell they're like they're going up a steep hill and there's lots of curves yeah. and turns and everything. So you feel like, you know. You know, when they talk about, uh, you know, the, you know, these Japanese tokusatsu series, they had all these strict rules. You could only set off these squibs and explosions in certain, you know, mountainous areas away from the city, away from populated areas, yada, yada, yada. I'm kind of like, well, clearly there was no fucking rules about driving like maniacs to film, film a scene, too, because you're like, oh, this is this is kind of what it is. But, yeah, I, I, I thought that was... Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know that it's necessarily out of character for Hattori Hanpei, but I, I, I just thought it was kind of kind of like a weird, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a needless way to put yourself in danger. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. put yourself in danger? Like, why? Well, you know, I mean, don't you got enough to worry about with Dark and all these other guys looking to shoot you? You got to put yourself in harm's way to, I don't know, to somehow one-up a, a fucking bus tour bus driver like what like i don't i don't know anyway i thought that was that was a little a little odd and the fact that they're like in some like winding country road like that stood out to me like if they were on the four lane you'd be like yeah okay yeah yeah they're just they're just having the pissing contest and it's a straight freeway or Mm -hmm. something like that and nobody else is on it then you're like okay fine like like it's a controlled environment like how much trouble can they get into but but yeah i I mean like like we're saying this is this is kind of like a winding uphill road to this this hotel that's on this like scenic mountain venue or what have you right like and and so you're just kind of like sitting there going like um what like you know like this is i don't know it just seemed like needlessly dangerous you know so when they finally arrive at the hotel mitsuko sees siyoko arrive right after the boys go off to the bowling alley. Meanwhile, Red Hornet observes their arrival and is overjoyed that the children of Komoji are also at the hotel. He thinks he's going to get like a a three for one deal. He's like super, <laughs> super excited. He's like, he's like, there's no way my air force is in jeopardy now. I got this shit locked. Like, not only am I going to get the, 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 you know, the commissioner's daughter who's staying at the hotel, I'm going to get the children of Kamoji, and this is going to be like a super feather in my cap. Manager of the Ikaho Grand Hotel was played by former Toho character actor Jin Nakajima, who appeared in the war spectacles Submarine I-57 Will Not Surrender and I Bombed Pearl Harbor. Among his genre roles, he played one of the truck drivers in Godzilla vs. Megalon. At some point in the shooting of this episode, the fastener on Red Hornet's costume was damaged or broken, which explains why one can see the line along the Destructoid's spine opening several times during this adventure. Instead of sending the costume back to Tokyo for time-consuming repairs, the crew simply tried to shoot around this problem as best as possible. The show must go on. So yeah, I, I noticed this like as soon as he turned around. I was just like, oh, he's, he's got a big hole in the back of his costume <laughs> like, like Hikata's already chopped his ass. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. It kind of like that sort of thing. Kind of makes me wonder, though. Like I, I always assumed that there was someone on hand at these locations shootings that can maybe mend these costumes if they were damaged mm-hmm. like this. But maybe they just 
they didn't have it for this show or they didn't have it in their budget for this series like i i don't know i i, I just assumed I wonder, that was like standard but i don't know well i i wonder like because this you know what this reminds me of you're gonna you're gonna throw tomatoes or whatever but this reminds me of saved by the bell and the reason why it reminds me of Saved by the Bell is because they used to have these summer episodes where they all worked at, like, the beach house. And so it wasn't, you know, it was like instead of it being in the studio where they just had the sets with the locker rooms and the classrooms and occasionally, like, the interiors of, you know, some of the characters' rooms and everything. And you could tell it was all shot, you know, three-camera style, sitcom-like on a soundstage, mm-hmm. you know, this was these were episodes where yes they did have some of those for the the interiors of the beach house but like there was like stuff where they were actually you know at some beach house and they were playing volleyball and they were actually shooting on the beach and you know i don't know swimming in fucking canoes or there were there were special episodes where they all went off to hawaii or whatever the fuck and they were actually shooting on location i feel like this ikaho grand hotel location this was a big coup, right? Because they're like, we're going to get to shoot at the hotel. It's going to look luxurious. We're going to have Kakaida fight on the top of the hotel. And it's going to you know, make the production value skyrocket. And then, of course, their big finale, which we haven't gotten to yet, is is going to be with the speedboats and the parasailing and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Like, I'm, I'm sure that's what they were all counting on. So yeah. I wonder if... You know, maybe for a standard episode, you know, maybe they would have been close to Tokyo or or something like that, where it's like, oh, so, yeah, so they go off and shoot in, you know, one of these, uh, you know, mountainous abandoned caverns or what, you know, whatever they do, these dirt places where they can fire off all the squibs and everything. Well, yeah, maybe that's like a 30 minute ride and they can patch up the costume, but maybe it was like this thing where, you know. It, it, you know, obviously the budget's not huge, right? So maybe it's like, you know, somebody loading up to go to a con, right? They load up all their shit, including the costumes. They all drive in like, you know, four or five vans to this hotel up the windy, you know, mountain road or whatever. And then they get there and they, they shoot a scene and then, you know, the guy's, you know, back thing gets ripped open and they're just like, oh shit, well, we, you know, we, we didn't bring the the costumers with us and this is the location this is you know think of it this way the, the reason why i brought up the say by the bell and the hawaii thing or whatever right it's like imagine like you know they have the red hornet in the episode of say by the bell but they bring everybody there and the red hornet costume gets messed up so they can't just you know they can't just like fly back to la to fix this fucking costume right they're they're on they're in hawaii right like you know what I mean? Like, and I guess, like you're saying, no, nobody's there that can easily mend it. So they just, I mean, I presume somebody tried, right? But right. it just didn't, it didn't hold up very well, right? Now I'm imagining, like, Red Hornet walking down the the hallway at Bayside and he stings Jesse and she starts laughing <laughs> like crazy person. <laughs> yeah. I'm so excited because I got the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what is going to happen. So at the bowling alley, Hanpei 
keeps getting gutter balls, while cute as a button, Yumiko, oh yeah, gets a strike every time. Man, she's 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 a hottie, yeah, Yumiko. She's, 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 yeah. yeah. Mitsuko and Sayoko come to the bowling alley to greet their friend Yumiko, cute, who is also staying at the hotel. Ayama's daughter, Yumiko, was played by Starlet Mitsuko Sasahara, who made her screen debut in the 1971 Sochiku comedy Women Are the Home of Men. She also appeared in the television series The Young Teacher. So again, you, you may or may not throw tomatoes. You know what? The, the, this I, I thought of this, and especially with this comment, like one, it says she's a starlet, so I'm backed up. She's super cute, right? But I, I got the idea that like, and I, you know, it says comedy, right? So I started thinking like, like what if she's like the Janet of Three's Company on this <laughs> Japanese comedy? Like she's this button okay. cute girl, and she's got yeah. the little haircut and everything and she's kind of cutesy and everything but she's wearing the 70s like the little skirt and the Mm -hmm. the green top that's like really form-fitting and everything and it made me think of like you know chrissy and janet and Mm -hmm. you know the the whole kind of you know setup or whatever so that's i don't know that's that's kind of what that that brought to mind when i when i saw that and and kind of was looking at the episode and everything as Hanpei and Masaru play around with paper airplanes, the girls meet up with the boys so they can head outdoors. And before they even get outside the hotel grounds, the dark ASF have all transformed into destructoid troopers and have surrounded the quintuplet. Red Hornet plunges his stinger into Masaru to drive him mad. <laughs> Thankfully... Uh, I don't know. Maybe he didn't get there fast enough because we got to listen to Pixar laugh like a moron for the whole episode. But thankfully, we hear the cherry red guitar of justice and Jiro jumps down, simultaneously transforming into Kakaida so we can have more time at the scenic hotel location to fight off Red Hornet and his goons. Red Hornet's android suicide squadron, which appears in this episode, all possess designation marks on their foreheads and energy tank caps on the crowns of their heads. Here, credit should be given to the suit actors of the Mishima Kinchiki, who performed as the hordes of android men. They include Toshihiki Kichiku, Ko Hayami, Yukio Mihashi, who played Red Horn, Takashi Inomoto, Chiyota Watanabe, Hiroshi Nakai, Yoshikazu Inagawa, Norio Yanagisawa, Kimihisha Tsunomaiya, and group leader Kazo Mishima. Gil Gil. Gil Gil. Yeah, I mean, this this I think was, you know, one of the primary reasons why they were all excited to shoot on location, because this is kind of that money moment where, like, they have Kakaida like on the, the top awning of that hotel and he's he's fighting those those dark guys. And like th- this is that thing where, like, you start to think about this and you're like, dude, he just like kicks him off the fucking roof there. <laughs> yeah. and it's, like, it's like, you know, there's some like bed or so, you know what I mean? But still, that's. That's a pretty far, I mean, even if you're landing on something soft, like some beanbag or some shit, right? Like, I mean, that's still a pretty far fall, right? Like, you could still probably hurt yourself if you get kicked off there. So I'm always kind of cognizant of of how much danger those dark dudes who are getting their asses whooped are probably in when they get, you know, knocked around or knocked off buildings and shit like that. But, I mean, I think, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I do think that that visual is new and interesting for the show and it looks really nice. Like that's that, that was one of their presumably coups that they, you know, I'm assuming somebody in the production staff knew somebody at the hotel or the hotel wanted to get 
you know, kind of like, ooh, I'm going to be on a television show or, you know what I mean? They're like, there must yeah. have been some kind of quid pro quo for that to, to happen. But I mean, I, I do think it looks nice. I mean, it looks fun. And I, I don't know if, if there's actually a bowling alley on site at the hotel, but that's interesting that they they go back and forth between there and everything. You know, they've got the little the little recreational bowling alley. Uh, you know what I was going to ask, though, was before they you know, go out and they get surrounded and the attack starts. Like, I was just wondering, like, do you think they're going outdoorsy type stuff? Like, where do you think they're going? Like, or are they going to eat? Are they going for a night on the town? Like, I I just, because I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I'm assuming they're on this high hill and all the recreational stuff is at the hotel, but then they're they're leaving the hotel? Like, like I, I think I, about that. Yeah, I just wondered, huh. like, like to to me, I was just thinking like, because in in my mind, you know, I'm thinking like, oh yeah, well, you know, we we go out, we do things, we leave the hotel. It's because we're gonna go eat. It's because we're gonna go to a convention. It's because we're gonna, you know, do whatever we're gonna do, right? But I was just thinking, this is more a little, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe there's something I'm missing, right? But but you know, I just I kind of assume that these these recreational things, the airplanes and the the, the the bowling alley and and all that stuff, and even if they were gonna have dinner, right? I assumed that there were you know, there are these facilities at the hotel, you know, like, so the only other thing I could think of is, you know, maybe because it's in such a scenic mountain area, like we're going to go on some hike or there's some, you know, there's some bluff or there's some, you know, place where, you know, Han Pei and, uh, you know, uh, what's her face, um, Sayoko, you know, they can go sit on a bench together and, and look into each other's eyes or so, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't know, but, but there's, you know, to me, I wasn't, a hundred percent sure where they were all going. The thing I was thinking about was the whole bowling alley scene because that's I feel like that's something that wouldn't be featured in a modern show. Like that kind of feels like a product of its time. And I don't mean that in a derogatory way because I like I liked bowling. And I remember just a few years ago, like I was dating this girl and I, she was we were hanging out with some friends and everyone was bored and I was like, Hey, let's go to the bowling alley. And it was a genuine like suggestion, and everyone yeah. looked at me like I was a space alien. I was like, "What? What's wrong with bowling? It's fun." And they they just they just wasn't having it. And it was um, I don't know. I mean, th- there was a somewhat of an age gap, so I was like, "Oh, am I just am I just like the old fart who's like, oh, let's go bowling? That's fun." But no, I, I, I kind of thought about it here, and I was like, "Oh, I don't think they would feature this in a modern show, bowling. Like, oh, bowling, that's lame. That's real people. This, I don't, I don't this know. Is, this is this is something. If if I ever see you again, and we don't have to wear fucking masks, like <laughs> me, we should go bowling. Go bowling, Cause, okay? Because I used to. I mean, I, I I'm not saying I was any good at it, like because I wasn't, you know. But but like, I mean. I, I have not, one of the, the, the few nice memories I have about working at the casino was sometimes what we would do is, you know, once we all got off the shift or maybe later that night or something like that, we would all meet up at like different bowling alleys in L.A., you know, and we would we would go bowling. And even when I was in college, there were there were like nights where they had all this weird theme shit. Like, I, I don't know that I necessarily liked that, but I liked hanging out with friends you know from college or work or whatever and there would be these nights where you know not not like it looked on the show but where they would they would make it all like you know clubby and dark with like the 
the lights and they'd put like smoke up and stuff like, I don't mm. know, for fucking Halloween or, you know, some some mm-hmm. reason why they would make all this stuff look all, you know, I don't know, clubby and exotic and whatever. And you would you would bowl and like, you know, the 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 lanes would be all neon lit or what you know what i mean like stuff like that and and so i mean i have distinct memories of you know doing things like that and having fun with it you know what i mean like not not that i was like great at bowling or anything but you know it's like one of these things where it's like you can you can socialize but it's also something fun to do like i guess it makes sense and you know to me i was like i'd love to bowl with uh you know yukio right like that that would be (laughs) that would be great you know what i mean so it's like that's that that's one of those things where I I guess I don't even I don't even see it as like a, a modern versus retro thing I guess but maybe I'm wrong because I mean you know I'm I'm thinking of times you know you know you, me when I say I was in college you know that was what ninety five to ninety nine and when I say I was doing the the casino thing you know and, and going out after hours and going to bowling alleys and stuff that was you know probably what 2002 to 2007 ish you know like something like that but you know uh, a good friend of the show tj damon quad m productions you know like he often it seems to be in in when it comes up seasonally somehow but he's part of like a bowling league right like they 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 have tournaments and they they go bowl and they compete with other presumably leagues right like so so and that sounds to me to be seasonal it's not like he does it all year long but there seems to be a period where it's like it, it comes to be in season that you know the the league all gets together and and you know throws their best balls and gets their best scores and competes against other leagues and they probably win some you know paper trophy or whatever it is right like and, and then then that's what they do for the year so i don't i don't feel like this is something that's like you know, it. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm gonna throw some other sport under the bus, but I'm like, it's not like it's cricket. Cricket? What about <laughs> cricket? You know, like like that. You know what I mean? It's not like it's not like it's something from the dark ages where you're like nobody plays that shit anymore. It's like, dude, I'm you know, I'm sure, you know, if 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 we went on another road trip and we looked it up and we went bowling alleys, like we could find something and just go bowling for a night or something like that. Ain't it- there was a bowling alley on Kirk's Enterprise, so it survived yeah. that far. <laughs> there you go. Bowling alleys. It would survive to the 23rd century, so there. Continue the alert, Lieutenant. I can't, sir. He's cut off the alert channels. Lieutenant O'Hora, you've interrupted my song. Uh, I'm sorry, but there'll be no ice cream for you tonight. Cut him off. I can't, sir. There's no way to do it. Attention, crew. This is Captain Riley. There will be a formal dance in the bowling alley at 1900 hours tonight. No way, Captain. He controls the main power panels. He can override any channel from down there. So during this this epic fight up at the hotel, Red Hornet makes off with Masuku, Masaru, and cute-as-a-button Yumiko. Oblivious to the kidnapping, Dr. Komoji sits stoically on a nearby rock staring out over the river. And then we cut to commercial break. Hi, this is TJ Damon with Quad M Productions and co-host of the Quad M Show. 
The Quad M Show is a somewhat live and semi-weekly comedic podcast. We're your hosts, TJ Damon. I'm not very, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. Jason Vickers. I let all the air out of my tires so they don't go flat. And Jesse Barnett. I think I even accidentally listened to the show this last week. Bring you their takes on current pop culture and geek world news. Show features include the FGS Award, highlighting the pinnacle of human stupidity for this week. And Reddit Fun with Jason, where your hosts compare their opinions with the hive mind known as Reddit. Here, take a listen. My biggest problem with the movie industry as it sits now is that the trailers that they are putting out give everything away. Batman and Superman are going to duke it out. Then along comes a stronger foe. They're going to have to team up. Along comes Wonder Woman. So you've already ruined that surprise for everybody. <laughs> now we're going to have Gail Godot's Wonder Woman coming in to save the day. And when Wonder Woman and Superman are there, what's Batman got to do? <laughs> <laughs> you got this handle. I'm going to go work on my marriage with Jennifer Carter. <laughs> New episodes drop Mondays at 12 noon Eastern. Check us out at www.quadmproductions.com. And then we come back from commercial break. And Commissioner Oyama arrives when he learns the news about Dark abducting his daughter. The manager of the hotel profusely apologizes, but the commissioner is wrestling with Dark's terms for her release. They want him to abandon all the policies he has come to be known for. Red Hornet calls the hotel and threatens to kill cute as a button Yumiko if Commissioner Oyama does not agree to Dark's demands before the deadline, which I wasn't very clear when that deadline was exactly. Were you? Yeah, it all seemed a little vague, but I just kind of ignored it. It was just kind of like this idiot in the fucking hornet suit calls up on the phone. It's like, hey, 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 I will kill her if you don't do things before we say, and then hangs up. I'm just kind of like, wait, what? When's well, the when, deadline? When's the time? Yeah. Like when? How, how long does he have to decide? Like, is it ten minutes? Is it twenty-four hours? Is it what? Like, yeah. I was a little confused about that. We can also see, since since we see everyone in captivity, we can see Masaru has been driven mad by Red Hornet Sting as he laughs uncontrollably despite their captivity. <laughs> <laughs> and Jiro, Hante, and Sayoko search for their friends and come upon Masaru's paper airplane. They use Jiro's detection detector, I'm pretty sure that's what they called it, even though it seems repetitive, and surmise that they are being held in a cabin nearby. It's also, like, super fucking convenient, because I don't think it's used this at all, but now all of a sudden that they need to find somebody, it's like, hey, you know that detection detector you have? Oh, right, my detection detector. Let me pull that out. And, and then it kind of seems useless, too, until they find the paper plane but you know yeah, whatever I didn't quite get that part like if if they hadn't like, found the paper airplane would they not have found Masaru and all those I, guys I, I, I kind of feel like they wouldn't have like and, and then I'm like well, what's the point of the detection detector it's not like it's not like he has a spider tracer on it's not like he's a it's not like a cut as a bloodhound or something I mean I don't yeah, like I don't yeah I don't know how that works exactly they use the Jiro's detection detector after they find the paper plane and they surmise that their friends are being held in a cabin nearby because Sayoko knows the area and knows there's this cabin nearby so kind of this combination of everyone you know Hanpei makes the suggestion Jiro has the detector Sayoko kind of knows the area so between the three of them they kind of figure it out 
Jiro takes down one of the dark ASF, while Masaru collapses under the influence of Red Hornet's Madness Stinger. Red Hornet intends to also infect Kyuta's button Yumiko with his stinger as well, but just then, Jiro busts down the door and fights the agents of Dark. While Jiro distracts them, Hanpei and Sayoko free the others. Red Hornet fights Jiro as the Destructoids give chase to the escaped hostages. So, I mean, this is kind of, uh, you know, kind of what we were speaking to before. This is kind of a, a key moment for Hattori Hanpei, like where he's 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 going in to sort of, you know, distract. You know, while Jiro is distracting, you know, fighting these other guys, Hattori and, and Sayoko go in to, you know, free their friends, basically. And he has a few moments where he sort of comes to blow with the dark guys and everything like that. So I, I think that's kind of what August Ragone is hinting at, that, that she's a, you know, Sayako is a good influence on him, but she also kind of knows when when to tell him to quit it, too, because, you know, he, he gets a little too much into it, where he's like, I'm a ninja, now I'm ready to take you all on. Like, he kind of <laughs> gets overconfident, she's like, what the fuck are you doing? Let's get the fuck out of here. Come on, like, don't don't push it. You know, like, we, we got lucky, you, you bopped a couple of them, we're, we're, our friends are free. Like, let's, you know, let's not look a gift horse in the mouth. I think. Jiro then transforms or tries to transform to Kakaida, but that damnable devil flute starts to play, preventing him from doing so. Sayoko drives the others away in a boat on the lake, but a dark agent follows them in the parasailing chute that is attached to the recreational speedboat. The dark agent fires upon them while parasailing, which is kind of funny, and Hanpei takes a knife and cuts him loose. The boat gang see Jiro in trouble, and Hanpei lassos Jiro so he can escape the sound by dragging him underwater? I guess. Okay, this this sequence is interesting, but like, I thought it was funny when like the guy parasailing, like the dark destructoid guy, like they were like, oh, he's chasing us, and I'm like, well, not really. He's uh, he's attached to a line. I was like, all you gotta do is untie that rope or cut it, and they drive around the lake for quite a while before Hanpei's like, oh yeah, I guess I'll cut the rope, and then when he sees uh, Jiro in trouble, he figured it out. He's a ninja. Yeah, he eventually figured it out. And then when they see uh, Jiro's in trouble, I was like, okay, they're going to drive by and the sound of, like, the motor the, on the yeah, boat. Yeah, the motorboat. That's what I thought. I thought the sound of the motorboat was going to drown out the, the flute or something. But so no. <laughs> but no, they, they, like, lasso him and drag him underwater. Okay, <laughs> that works too, I guess. It's like, okay, I guess that's fine. I mean, shit. Uh, I, part of me is thinking of, like, that sketch on the state where... They they came in and it's like the one dude's name is Carl and they like put the the hamburger buns like rub those around his ears because he's a moron or whatever and like all I could think of is like like what if what if Jiro like because he fell in the mud there and he heard the devil flute like what if he just grabbed like two clumps of mud and like kind of rub them in his ears so he can transform or something. I don't know. Like I'm always thinking of like goofball things, but they, they always they always take a 
a weird turn to uh, to have him change. But basically, after he does his three, two, one change, Kakaida fights Red Hornet, and you know, typical Kakaida after a double chop, giant swing, the end combo. A red Hornet falls off a distant high hill and explodes. Of course, we cut back to all of our good buddies, our friends at the hotel. And as they're walking off, Masaru starts to laugh. <laughs> like he's not cured. And it's really just Masaru fucking with Hanpei at the end, pretending he's still infected with the Red Hornet's mad sting so he can fake out Hattori Hanpei and bop him atop the head. Meanwhile, Jiro zooms off in the sidecar solo, and if it were me, I, I would I would totally, uh, you know, bring Yukio, uh, uh, Yumiko, um, with me in the sidecar. And okay. next episode, Black Chameleon, the Grand Heist. How did they cure Masaru? That was not really explained to me. Like, like if this were a, a common Rider or a Sentai plot, like, killing red hornet would probably end the madness or revert it but like in this it's kind of just left up in the air and they're like oh he's cured and i'm like well how did killing red hornet cure him or did did someone like i don't know give him some medicine and that work like it's it's kind of vague so i was scratching my head it's super unclear and if someone if if someone did give him medicine who like they're in some tell like i don't i mean unless there happens to be a doctor there and they happen to have anti you know red hornet venom or whatever <laughs> whatever it is just lying around like that's kind of far-fetched i i would i would be inclined to assume that we just didn't get a line of dialogue like you're suggesting that once kikaida kicked his ass off the cliff and and he you know broke into a million pieces or whatever then then that negated the effects of the sting i suppose but I, yeah, I, you know, there, there's not really any good, you know, it's definitely not spelt out, right? Like, but I, I would assume it's the former and, and not the latter. They should give out tokusatsu no prizes for stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, we can get a, get a, a, a no prize for a, a 1972 tokusatsu. <laughs> uh, I, I would like a, a, uh, I'm like, <laughs> I would like a no prize from Yumiko. <laughs> uh, yeah, she's cute. I, that was my favorite part of the whole episode, I think. It was just Yumiko. Um, and, you know, the location was nice. I mean, I, I thought I thought it was cool. I mean, it's fun that they had the parasailing thing. I, I just don't think they, you know, it's like one of those things like, let's go to a hotel. Like, let's, oh, this this looks nice. Let's have a fight on top of the, the hotel awning. Um. Oh look, there's parasailing boats. Let's let's do some parasailing. What are we gonna do? We're gonna have the dark guy parasail. Okay, like then he's gonna cut the rope, and then you know, okay, but but it's like you know, whatever. I, I think they just got excited of like, oh, we we can we we can add production value that we didn't normally have before. We got speed boats and parasailing, you know, like so. I think they just got got a little too excited about all that, but didn't. You know, they just kind of put it together the best they could, I guess. It might have been better if, like, Jiro was parasailing and he was the one chasing, like, Red Hornet in a boat or something. Like, that might have been more exciting. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, of course, you could apply the same logic. It's like, uh, Kakaida is chasing us. And you're like, dude, Red Hornet, why don't you just cut the fucking yeah. 
line, you know. Bro. Cut the line, dude. You know. Oh yeah. Game over, man. Game <laughs> over. You know, like they're they're all freaking out about it and everything. But yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, and then the the other thing too is like it, it's funny how it's all resolved in this tiny little, you know, re- recreational hideaway. Like whereas, like th- th- I guess what I was wondering about it is kind kind of like you were wondering about how does Masaru recover from the hornets thing like i kind of wondered like okay well if all this gas killed owls and birds like did did the people that got poisoned in the city like do they eventually die are they all in hospital beds or are they all fine now once once kikaida blew up the red hornet like like you know i we, we we just don't know it all goes sort of unanswered and and it doesn't seem like it seems like it shifted, right? Because originally the goal was we're going to poison everything and we're going to take over the world. And then and then that was like the goal for the first five minutes. And then once Professor Gilt laid down the marching orders and is like, I'm going to defund your ass and your troops <laughs> if uh, if if you don't capture uh, this this commissioner's daughter. And, you know, so it's like but clearly they did not succeed. They didn't capture cute as a button, Yumiko. And and. So dark does not get to have all these, you know, negative environmental policies passed. And it's like, you got to wonder, like, aren't they dark? Like, what the fuck do they care about policy? Like, aren't they criminals? Aren't they just going to do what the fuck they want, regardless of the policy? Like, like, what advantage is it like? Like if if the commissioner went back on his stuff and like say say he had no choice there's no Kakaida and like he wants his daughter freed so he says okay fine like I I'm now bought and paid for right so he rolls back all these these uh, I don't know uh, policies and preventative measures and everything like that like weren't they just gonna run around poisoning shit whether there was policies or not aren't they fucking dark like don't they just I don't know it's yeah. it's funny to me. Like what? What the fuck do they care about it? They're crooks. Like <laughs> I don't get it. But okay. But yeah, that's I. I don't know. That's that's kind of all I got on this. I mean, like I said, the 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 production value of the hotel was nice, and then I I like that little green green number she was wearing. You know, so that's that was basically. Uh, you know, it's funny. It, it kind of makes me. I'm I'm sure it's not subtitled, and I'm sure it's not easy to find. But it kind of makes me want to check out the. Uh, the 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 comedy or whatever you know so the women are the home of men whatever that is you know well i know um simmering i-57 has been said because i saw it on Naw a while back. okay interesting interesting so yeah maybe it's possible like i said i thought red hornet had a kind of goofy you know 50s z-grade movie feel to his suit but other than that like this was a a fun episode and i liked it quite a bit yeah it was fun i liked it and i hope we see sayoko again because she definitely makes him pay you know more bearable because you know sometimes i think he's a bit much but in this you know she kind of like you said she kind of like wrangled him was like hey you're not a ninja knock it off let's get out of here right 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 right. yeah i i you know i gotta be honest i don't remember i mean a lot of these are are done for one as they Mm -hmm. say you know so it's like i don't i i have watched this all the way through one time but i don't i don't remember if she reoccurs or not i i i kind of want to my 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 gut feeling is that most of these characters other than you know, our leads do not reoccur, you know, other than Kamoji, Professor Gill, 
you know, Jiro, Matsuku, Masaru, and Hatori Hanpei. I don't, I don't think there are other reoccurring characters, but I could be wrong. I mean, I, I don't, I, it's been a while since I've, like, I've watched the entire series. So some, some of this, you know, it's like I'm watching it at least for the second time, for the first time, for the last time, like what, what whatever Spaceballs kind of nonsense. But like, yeah, I, I mean, it's like I don't, I don't always remember every single detail until we sit down and cover these. But my, my gut feeling is she, she might not come back, but it would be cool if she did. Yeah. All right. Well, I think this kind of wraps up the whole coverage of the 17th episode of Kikaida. And as we, as we mentioned, the, the next episode is going to feature Black Chameleon. And so uh, hopefully you'll come back and check that out when we get around to talking about it. But we are on all kinds of social media. We're on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We appreciate all the likes, hearts, shares, and retweets that we receive. If you have any angry emails, if you're mad about environmental protections being stripped so that cute as a button Yumiko can go around in her green outfit and everything, you can send angry emails to fanholespodcast at gmail.com. The backlog of episodes for fanholes, Toku Thursdays, can be found over on our blog spot, fanholespodcast.blogspot.com. You can direct download all the episodes there. We can also be streamed. We can be found on Apple Podcasts. We're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Spotify, and Amazon Music. So yeah, so until the next time, this is Derek, Derek WC, riding off in the sidecar, signing off. And this is Justin, signing off. I've been driven mad by a red hornet stinger and that green outfit. I've been driven mad.